The book of Revelation doesn't get you going uh, one way or the other. Uh, uh, it's, it doesn't get you riled up about Jesus and the time being short in his return. I don't know what will. You know what I mean? My hope is that the word of God, the Bible, will open your heart and, and change your life in the way that you live. What I mean is that I hope that it spurs you on to Christian living, to follow Jesus in repentance and holiness. Uh, now, I can't motivate you, but the Holy Spirit can. And so I'm going to trust that He's going to do that. For those that have joined us since our Revelation Volume 3, there's four rules that I want us to remember. We cover these each time when we do a Revelation series. Number one, think about this is. The book is filled with imagery, crazy stuff, and it's very confusing. Don't be scared of the enemy imagery. In fact, lean into that imagery. It will help you go deeper. In fact, at the end of today, we're going to draw out a timeline. Uh, as always, I want you to sit forward because you're not going to be able to see if you're beyond like the sixth row. So we'll have it here too. But make sure you lean into the imagery. Number two, come every week. You'll just flat get lost if you don't come every week. So if you miss a particular week, listen to that thing on the Bentry app or on a podcast. Number three, leave what you think you know about Revelation at the door. Because let me just be honest. Most of you have some pretty screwed up uh, visions of what Revelation is supposed to be about. And I don't blame you for that. I, I blame it on televangelists, quite honestly, because there's some jacked up stuff. If you just Google end times or revelations, uh, you will get some crazy stuff. By the way, don't do that. Number, <laughs> number four, don't let disagreements about interpretation cause division in the body of Christ. This is so important. There's this thing that I refer to a lot, open-handed issues and closed-handed issues. Open-handed are uh, issues that we're going to cover today that, that are open to negotiation. Good Christians come down on both sides of issues. But then there are closed-handed issues, things that, like Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? It's not open to negotiation. It just is. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those are not open to negotiation. But before we begin, this week uh, is going to be different than the format we usually follow just this week. So hang tight. We're not going to use the verse-by-verse -verse method on Revelation this week. Uh, you'll see why today. I want to get us some perspective, kind of a 50,000 foot view. I think this will be very handy as we go through the series together. So hang on with me. We'll get started, but would you bow your head with me? Father God, our Father, we open your words of Scripture as we read them. Would you reveal your truth contained in them? Keep our mind from distraction. Help us to Feel the urgency in our life. Help us to sense the end coming so that we can begin to live our life not as if, as if this were some nice fairy tale, but that our own immediate future hangs in the balance. Because God, I'll just admit my heart gets lulled into this sense of, I don't know, forgetting. Forgetting about the lost. God, give us urgency to spread the word of the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, as a gift, a gift from you to pay for our sins by the shedding of his innocent blood on the cross of Calvary. So God, give us urgency as we jump back into this. Give us one mind. Open your words. It is in the excellent name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said... Amen. Amen. 530 plus years before the birth of Jesus in a little town called Bethlehem, an old Jewish prophet began to write down what he had seen in this prophecy, this vision that had been revealed to him. 
He was on staff, not willingly, advising the Median Persian king Darius, a very powerful king in the history of Persia. They had defeated the Babylonians. And King Darius was uh, this king that had all the people of Israel in captivity, all the royals, and had sent some back. But he did this thing. King Darius would not only go on to free all the Jews and send them back to their home country from what is now Iran, but he would fund the reconstruction of the country and he would fund the reconstruction of a Jewish temple. Now this is significant because this is a godless king. And we see this prophet Daniel advising the king, and he prophesies all of this stuff in this book. Now, these visions received during this time were accurate to a T. Every detail came through, historically recorded uh, everything about what would happen over the next couple hundred years, would happen everything. In fact, critics of the Bible would say this, that Daniel wasn't even a real guy that these were just recorded 400 years after because his prophecy is just too perfect. Now, here's the thing. When you have someone in the Old Testament that would claim to be a prophet, you know how they were a real prophet of God? All the stuff they said came true. And that's what happened to Daniel except for one part. And I think you'll see this. Now, why talk about this? Why talk about this with Revelation? Because everything Daniel said about the exodus from Persia and uh, Babylonian areas came true. But the reason we're starting here today is that Daniel's vision spanned not only the return of Israel and the temple reconstruction, but check this out, 2,500 years into the future, maybe more. Why study Bible prophecy? Because Bible prophecy this Bible prophecy hasn't happened yet. It is still in the future. So look at chapter 12, Daniel chapter 12. That's where we're going to start. Verse 1, look at this with me. At that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands watch over your people will rise up. Now who's this talking about? There's only two named angels in the Bible. Do you know that? One is the archangel Michael. And one is the angel Gabriel. He announces the birth of Jesus, right? Look at this. At that time, Michael, the angel, the great prince who stands watch over your people, he's telling, God is telling this to Daniel, will rise up. Okay, watch. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since nations came into being until that time. Now look close. A time of distress such as never occurred since nations came into being until that time. For those of you who are joining us for this fourth volume of this Revelation series, it seems to clearly be talking about a seven-year period in the future called the Tribulation. And specifically, when things really get horrible in the last three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. This is huge. This is all, uh, we've studied this in the book of Revelation. It tells us a time is near at the end when the world will go through incredible suffering like the world has never seen before. Check this out. This is 530 plus years before Jesus is born. This is prophesied. A suffering that the world has never seen up to that point. But then look at the promise at the end of verse 1. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. Now this should send chills up your spine. This is a good promise. It seems to confirm what we have preached in the previous three volumes of this series. The prophecy that Christians, God's people, uh, will not be on earth. They will be taken away in, in a massive uh, time, a quick time, that we will uh, be going before this tribulation. We call this thing the rapture. 
We call this the elect. Those who have Jesus, uh, who call Jesus uh, their King, their Savior. Who Jesus has called from death to life. We call those Christians or believers, God's people. Um, then look, uh, Jesus will take believers home to be with Him in a mass evacuation. This rapture. But do you see this picture of the book that He's talking about? There's a book written. We're going to see. We've seen it before. We're going to see it again in Revelation. What is that book? It's called the book of life. This is prophesying ahead of time, 2,500 years into the future at least, a sudden disappearance of all Christians on earth. And watch verse 2 as it adds. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. What's it talking about? Have you ever noticed this? The Bible sometimes understates things. Like when it says many, well, that's actually talking about all those who have died. All the way back to Adam. Everybody, remember this is talking in the future, all the dead in Christ and all the dead who were not in Christ. This is big. The word many means billions and billions of people over time that die. It's clearly talking about all those who have died. And some are awakened to Eternity in Christ Jesus in heaven and some for eternal punishment in hell. This is just this preview of, of Revelation. For bentriers that have walked through these series over the past three years, Daniel and other books from the Old Testament, like Ezekiel and many other the other prophets, are giving these, given these incredible visions, crazy stuff, some very strange some to be taken literally and some to be taken uh, as a way like we talked about in our safety rules to go deeper. It tells us a deeper story than just what's written. It's imagery. Some to be taken representing something completely different. Incredible things of armies, battles, difficult times that the world will face in the end as it meets justice and its creator. It's called apocalyptic literature both in the old and in the new testament here in revelation and in daniel and, and it's very scary incredibly scary and yet encouraging for believers at the same time how can that be well it largely depends on where you stand in your relationship with jesus who you believe he is in your life daniel chapter 12 verse 3 check this out those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. For you believers in Christ Jesus, He is your Savior and Lord. Amen? This is good news. Quite literally, it's talking about the good news, the gospel. For believers in Christ Jesus, you will have an insight. You have an insight. We're exploring this. You have a salvation. God is giving us this picture of the future, our future, and we will shine like the stars. In other words, there will be billions and billions of people in heaven because of the gospel. They are God's people. And for those believers that share the gospel story, that witness they will even have a brighter future. The Old Testament is full of references and signs, all pointing forward to the promised Messiah. I find this interesting. Prophecies that tell of Jesus at His birth, this is in the Old Testament. Tell of His death, tell of His resurrection, tell of the payment for sins for all the people. But for us, we look at those prophecies and we go, yeah, that happened in the past. They look to the future. We look to the past, right? They are in the past. We call that time when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, lived in, uh, in Israel, was crucified on a Roman cross, died and rose again. We call that His first coming. And yet there are tons of other prophecies, both in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament, that talk about His second coming. This is huge, what we're talking about here today. 
the end of time. So, so why start our Revelation Volume 4 series here? Why start it in the Old Testament? Well, this next verse will tell you. Watch what is revealed to Daniel. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. Underline time of the end. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. Oh, listen, this is huge. Don't miss this. The words are not recorded. And you go, what words? We don't know. They're not recorded. All we know is there is a prophecy given to Daniel. He's shown this vision, but he's not allowed to tell it. Are you with me? The prophecy given to Daniel by the angel Michael instructs Daniel to keep secret and to seal it up until when? The end times. And let those words ring in your ears. End times. There's an end to all of this. And I guarantee you will see it. Listen to me, this may confuse you. It doesn't matter even if you know Jesus or not. In that respect, you will see the end. But it does matter how, if you know Jesus and how you will see the end. You with me? By the way, scientists agree on this. If you study cosmology in the birth of the universe, what scientists call the Big Bang Theory, they also talk about a time when everything goes back, back to one singularity. God did not want these details about the end times to reveal, be revealed until He revealed them to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. Put Daniel and the book of Revelation together and here's what that means. Write this down. We are living in the end times. Now before you write me off as some crackpot some of you said that's long ago. <laughs> Hear me. That doesn't mean that for sure Jesus will come back tonight, but he could. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he, it won't be a thousand more years, but he could come back before Christmas. Do you see what I'm saying? Let me see if I can explain. The point is that the book of Revelation is at least in part the revelation given to Daniel that he was not allowed to share 2,500 years before. He said back in the other scripture we're looking at, he said, look, people will move, knowledge will increase, people will move around. That's what's happened. The world has grown. They've gone all over the world. Knowledge has increased. I wouldn't say wisdom, but knowledge has increased. He wasn't allowed to share that then, 2,500 years ago, but he, it has been shared now that we are in the end times. The last book in the Bible called Revelation is actually the shortened title. The full title is this, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing of Jesus Christ. The second coming, in other words. The idea that Jesus himself doesn't need a prophet anymore, anymore to speak to us as an intermediary. He gives this to John. John gives it to us. The Word of God. We, he can tell us His plans now more plainly. Why? Because we are in the end times. Do you see that? Even though Jesus has won the battle, we are free from the power of sin and death. Amen? Satan is still an enemy. And still a threat to the kingdom. Many of us were buffeted by it this week. But this book tells us how it will come. The end times. And yet this book can be very confusing. No doubt. And no, we don't all agree on every detail about the book. But here's what we can do. Is we can look at the words of scripture. And we can say, what does scripture actually tell us? And that's what we do here at Ventry. The book begins this way, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God 
and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is, say it with me, the time is near. These are the words of Jesus. Now why study prophecy in the Old Testament at all? Or even here in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, because this, write these down, to learn the character of God. This is why we study Scripture, to learn who God is. Are you with me? To learn the character of God. Number two, to see our future. Yes, to see our future. What are we facing? And then number three, to change our hearts. Let me just say it as clear as I can. Some of you are headed right now for eternity in heaven, and some of you are headed for eternity in hell, and yet you play like you're headed to heaven. Like you go, I'm just good enough, right? Like you've done enough good in your life. This is hoping to change that and make you a real Christian. Let me just state the obvious. A future that you will experience. I'm as serious as I can be. Notice it doesn't just direct uh, that to Christians because the book of Revelation foretells the story of every single human being from Adam to the last man born, including you. You are very much described in this book. I know that's a big claim. It tells the story of everyone. If you know Christ, as your Savior, or if you don't. By the way, some atheist, I love you, takes guts to come. Some agnostics will argue, well, I just simply don't believe that stuff. And I would humbly just challenge you and say, for something to be true doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's either true or it's not. Do you understand what I'm saying? You go, well, it's not my truth. Your truth just doesn't matter a whole lot. It just doesn't. 2,500 plus years ago, Daniel wasn't allowed to tell us what the future would look like. It was far, too far in the future. But I would suggest to you today that Jesus reveals these secrets in His second coming. And He does it now. Why? Because the time is short. The time is near. Jesus is coming soon for three years as we have worked our way through this book, verse by verse. We've done this because of the promise. We've read it out loud. You've been blessed because of that. Me too. This last volume of the series seeks to wrap up the book with the return of Jesus Christ and what that future looks like. I opened our time today with this because our earthly lives lull us into this kind of sense that, oh, it's out there in the future. Oh, it's out there. It doesn't affect me uh, that much. Uh, I'll get around to it. But I've got to tell you that that thought could, be not, could uh, not be further from the truth because although this is God's story, Jesus' story, the story of the end, listen to me very carefully. This book is your story. This is your story. Unlike any other book in the Bible. So what will you do? What will you do? And it is coming soon. Skip with me to the very last page of your Bible. Revelation 22. It might be stuck together. Many of you have never been there before. Just kind of pull that out. Blow the dust out of there. Look at verse 20. This is one of the most encouraging verses. And let's see if we can read it before I cry on this. Look at this. He who testifies about these things, that's John, says, quote, yes, I am coming soon. Who is John testifying about? Jesus. Look in your Bible. If you've got a red letter edition, your, your words are in red. If Jesus spoke them, these words are red. Why? Because Jesus said it. Jesus says, yes, I'm coming soon. These were written 2,000 years ago. And you go, well, 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 it's not very soon. I would say the clock is ticking. 
we ended last year's series with the word urgency. You remember that? That was the last, uh, last thing we did. What is your urgency about the end? How do you live your life? Are you ready? I'm hoping that this series will up your urgency. Right? The level of urgency in your life, the way you live life, maybe think of it like this. Treat the years as months. Treat the months as weeks. Treat the weeks as days. Treat the days as hours. Treat the hours as minutes. Listen to me. Jesus could come any minute. We are in the end times. Are you with me? So if we say Jesus could return any minute, that's urgency. That's how we are to live our lives. So let's do some summary to help us get back into the groove of where we are in volume three. Uh, we ended with chapter 16. And we covered the picture of the seven angels that pour the seven bowls out one at a time on the earth. Each bowl is a horrible uh, picture of destruction. Let's back up though to the 50,000 foot view. Turn your notes to that second page. You can see it's, it's a timeline there, just blank. It says Revelation timeline. Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. This is an area you can get off into bad theory quickly. These are open-handed issues most. I'll show you what are closed-handed issues. But what we're going to do is we're going to draw a graph up here. You're going to write it in your notes and then use this as kind of a superstructure to understand where we are in the end times where we're going to be studying. So let's stick with the Bible, okay? Draw a timeline, starting on the left side of your paper, a cross, just like this, big cross. Some of you might struggle to draw that right there. Got that picture? There's one. And then do a line like this. This is the picture that I want you to see. If we begin with the cross and the resurrection of Jesus from the grave and His ascension back into heaven and His promise that He would return soon, what age would we be in? It's called the church age. Just write it here. Church age. Got that? Here we go. Whoops. Church age. The church age that begins with Pentecost with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the church is born, right? You find this in Acts chapter 2. This is the age we live in right now. Still the age. We have been redeemed, but we've not seen the full benefit of our redemption. We say this all the time. We live in the already and the not yet. We're saved. We've been redeemed, but we've not seen the, excuse me, the full revelation of what that means. Then draw this, this picture here, a big fish hook. You got this picture? Just a picture like this, put a little, put a little barb on the end. Why a fish hook? At the end of this age, what closes this age out, I think the Bible is clear on. This is an open-handed issue, meaning good Bible-believing theologians, Christians disagree on this, but I believe Christ calls all Christians home to heaven in what many call the rapture. Right here, right rapture, but up like this. Got that picture? Now why the fish hook? Look, what's happening is Jesus is making the call, trumpet sounds, he's calling and he's hooking all the Christians all at once, pulling them back up. It's just a visual for you to remember it by. This is... Uh, happening, Jesus is not returning to earth here. He's calling the Christians up. We are coming. He's, the call goes down and goes back up, takes us up. You got the picture? Now, that ends the church age and kicks off what we call a seven-year period that we opened our time with. Look at this. Seven years. We'll put seven years. Now, we don't know how long this is. At least 2,500 years, right? 
But this is seven years, and this is called the tribulation. And you can write it under here, tribulation. That's what the whole seven years is called. Now, the second half of the tribulation right here begins. And it's called the great tribulation. Just put a big GT, right? The great tribulation. Now, I won't rehash this totally here. But let me say that the reason I preach a pre-tribulation rapture it is really threefold. One is I believe the sudden disappearance of Christians from the earth would cause this earth to go bad quickly. Think of a piece of meat, big old roast that you take out of the refrigerator and you lay on the kitchen counter for three days. It goes bad quickly, doesn't it? If you took all of the Christians out of the world, all in the twinkling of an eye, what would happen? Morally, it would fall apart. Economically, it would fall apart. It would be a bad time. Second reason is that this verse in Daniel and several others in the New Testament we've studied in Revelation, but this book, uh, Daniel uh, chapter 12, you see that where he says, hey, your people will be gone before that? God's judgment? Now, this is important to understand. The third reason is I've listened to and I've studied every other argument that I can find. I've been researching this and reading about it for years. And yes, I read whacked out stuff as well just to see, is there something out there that I'm missing I've listened to this, studied all the arguments about a mid-tribulation. The only one that I think might also work is a little fish hook you can put right here. And possibly the rapture could happen mid-tribulation. Why? Because the mid-tribulation is technically when the judgment of God begins. Are you with me? It's really bad on this first part, but the judgment of God begins at the midpoint. I believe it's here because I believe that's the thing that actually kicks off the tribulation. Now, using that reasoning, the rapture could, though, be in the middle. What ends the seven years of tribulation? Armageddon. You don't have to know much about this right now, but look at it right here. Armageddon. Armageddon. So you got two D's? Yes. Armageddon, right there. This time is a massive battle. Now, what ends that, though? This is good news. Second coming of Christ. You can draw a big arrow like this, because this is huge. Second coming of Christ. Get that? Second coming of Christ. By the way, this is where all Christians agree about the end times. That Jesus will return physically to earth. Are you with me? Not everyone agrees on the rapture. Not everyone agrees on what the tribulation means. But everyone agrees that, uh, Christians agree, second coming of Christ. And it ends this battle. By the way, by the way, let me just get you some excitement here. This is where you come back. If you die uh, sometime during this church age, like your family that's up in heaven, they will return here. Or if you're raptured, you will come over like this. This is when you will return with a new body. This is huge. Here's what we don't agree with. What happens next? Here's what we teach. This is an open-handed issue, but this is one I've researched. Good theologians say this all the time. It's called the millennium reign. Now, I want you to see this. It's going to look like it's a short time, but it's actually a thousand years. 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 Okay, years. All right. goes from start to finish. Jesus on earth with Christians ruling, Right? Millennium reign. I'll never get this. M-I-L-L-E-N. N-N. 
Two N's, I-U-M. Rain. Okay? Millennium rain, right? So you've got this going on for a thousand years. This is literally a thousand year reign of Jesus ruling with Christians. We'll explain this in full in coming weeks. But the disagreement comes in whether or not you believe this is a literal thousand years or is it a picture. A lot of people right now will say, oh no, we are living in the millennium reign right now. Uh, uh, the, we'll, we'll talk about some of those other things. I don't believe they're right. I think, I think they're wrong. Imagery tells us the story because we have seen a lot of that so far, haven't we? But like most of the books of Revelation, it's a combination of imagery and literal facts. In this case, they come together and tell us a story. That's what we're going to unpack in coming weeks. But the millennium reign of Christ is a thousand-year reign where Christ will rule as king on earth with you who are believers. This is a fascinating time. And Christians from all time resurrected from the dead, though saved during the tribulation even, because there will be many saved during this time, a mass time. Then, how does the millennium reign end? Here it is. The last battle. Many get this confused with Armageddon. It's a different battle, separated by a thousand years. You with me? The last battle. The end of the thousand years, we'll get to that. But for now, understand that this is a great battle uh, with the current earth and current heaven. I've run out of whiteboard, so I've got to do this. Draw a circle like that. It's the earth and cracked. And you can put new, I just have new heaven, new earth. We'll get to that. The earth passes away. Heaven passes away. They are remade. Now, this is where I want you to get to. Don't get hung up on this. This is where eternity. And you can do a little sideways eight. My wife, the mathematician, says that's the sign for infinity. Eternity, a new heaven, a new earth goes on and on. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We'll study the current how the current heaven and current earth passes away. It's fascinating. Now, this is just the structure. We'll put the rest of this thing together in detail. But what I want you to see is where we are, and we'll pick this up uh, with chapter 17. Let's remember the first part of tribulation because this is we are going to pick it up right at the end of tribulation. There are what we call seven seals. Like... The grill of a Jeep, praise God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You didn't know the Jeep had end time significance? <laughs> what we have is seven, seven seals. That's what we studied, you remember? The seven seals broken by the Lamb of God. He was worthy to open the seals. This announced the first part of the tribulation. Massive devastation, but not total devastation. Then the mid, seven seals. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is the trumpets that are sounded. This is when judgment really starts to go. Judgment comes. It kicks off the midpoint of the tribulation. The great tribulation starts there. Then you have seven bowls. Count with me. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. Y'all are the worst counters ever. These are wide bowls. You'll see sometimes pictures of almost a round bowl. That's not it. The picture of a wide bowl that can be dumped quickly. These are sudden worldwide catastrophes that damage the earth. Just unreal destruction. Do you see this? Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. Of God's wrath and judgment, they had the power over the... Um, God's wrath and judgment had been poured out by specific angels. We've gone through all seven of those. Total worldwide destruction. And these judgments relate back to the judgment poured out on the Egyptians when they 
when they would not let go of the uh, Israelis when they were in captivity in Egypt. Do you remember that? The different plagues? Those are just a faint picture of what these will be. Notice, what do we have here? Seven. 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 You see that? Seven, 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 the number for God. A couple more things that you need to remember to set the stage for this series. All, after all of these judgments are poured out on the world, people that have not turned their hearts to God blame Israel. They blame Israel. There's a vast army that assembles in a northern vast valley that that valley looks like a funnel on the map. You can look at it in the back of your Bible and it goes all the way down to Jerusalem. They get ready to attack Israel and Jerusalem specifically in the battle of Armageddon. That's right here at the end. That's where we have left it. But then Christ returns from heaven, amen, with you. See, I just slipped that in and some of you are going, okay, Christ returned from heaven. No, 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 with you. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus. And remember, just like the true Trinity we serve, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, everything God does, Satan does it, cannot create. So what does he do? He makes a lie, a false version, and he creates an unholy trinity that we've studied in great detail. Instead of God the Father, it is Satan. Instead of Jesus, it is the Antichrist. Instead of the Holy Spirit, it is the false prophet. Now, I want you to understand something here. They won't be called that. Your Jesus, the real Jesus, will be looked at as the weird one. Theirs will be the new religion. Do you see how that works? Where we will pick it up next week is in chapter 17. I hope that you will read it. Uh, before we get there, these are some of the most amazing chapters in all of Scripture because one way or another, we will be reading or talking about you, depending on your relationship with Jesus. And let me freak you out a little bit. You know what the sound of your voice sounds like when you sing, when you yell. Your voice is described in this coming chapters. The sound of your voice is described in the coming chapters. If that doesn't freak you out, there's something wrong with you. But I love you. One more thought, and then I'll close us in prayer. As we get closer to the end, you'll see some very similar things that we studied in Genesis this last year. The number seven that you saw, the number 777, the number six for man, the number 666 for the beast that we have studied. Along with the whole list and host of other parallels, you are going to be blown away with as you look at Genesis and Revelation working as bookends. And you go, yeah, that's what the Bible is. No, no, no. Bookends for time and how they are related down to the very last words of Revelation. They're connected in every possible way. Revelation is a study of the end times. Genesis is the study of how it all began and God's good plans for creation. In a very real way, this is not just the study of the end times, but it is a study of the new creation that we look forward to, to eternity with Christ. That's what we're studying. Because listen to me, all of this will go away, but there will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. Over and over in Scripture, we are commanded to set our minds on this. How can we set our minds on this if we have never studied it? Do you understand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have come to you in prayer and we've reached out and said, open the words in our heart, change our hearts. 
God, I suspect that you are changing some hearts. I pray that that, that continue right now. That you just lay open our hearts to you. As you continue to pray with your head bowed and your eyes closed, this is just freaky stuff, crazy sounding stuff. And yet, it's what the Word of God tells us. Here's my prayer for you. That I want you to pray to God. God, give me urgency for the lost. The time is running short. We may not make it to the end of this series. Praise God. And yet, it may be 100 years in the future. We simply don't know. But we must live in urgency. So ask God, God, would you give me urgency to know your word and to share your word, to share with the gospel with those around me? If you're not a Christian, this is how you become one. Give up. Give up trying to be good enough. All of our good deeds are considered, the Bible says, as just filthy rags. Compared to the righteousness that we have through Christ. So if you want to be a Christian, simply take Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Just repent. If you believe that He is the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead, and you say, I want to follow Him. You are saved. Now, simply repent of your sins. Turn from them. Quit living like that. And listen, I get like you're used to that stuff. That's all of us. But slowly, as you begin to follow Him, the old you will die. You'll give up those things. And you start following Christ. And slowly but surely, he will give you a new brain, a new way to feel. So pray that. God, I turn from all my sins. I turn my heart completely to you. You can have my future. I want you to be the boss of my life. If you prayed that, in fact, Let's just say this, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus and you're going to heaven, just say amen real loud. Amen. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.